Have you ever faced adversity? I'm sure. I'm sure. How do you treat adversity? Do you retreat to the closet with a pint of ice cream and a box of Oreos? Or do you bandage the bruises, dust yourself off, and jump back in the game? All of us know it is impossible to live without facing adversity. Even the smartest and most capable of us eventually deal with pain, bereavement, and adversity. However, learning to respond to life's challenges successfully with ease can enhance your abilities lead the life remarkably well. I believe Einstein was right when he said, adversity introduces a man to himself. You can turn any adversity into an opportunity by revealing your best version while facing it. No matter what you've been through, you can turn it to your advantage. Every challenge is an opportunity to learn, to grow to overcome and emerge stronger. Our guest for today, Randy Brown, is an inspirational speaker, author, and transformation coach. He is known as that rebound guy. Based on his history with adversity, comebacks, and the art of rebounding, his message, The Rebound Effect, unveils a dramatic plunge to the depths of depression, two daughters' deaths, depression, addiction, divorce, prison, and a career lost forever. His goal is to help others realize that their best life comes through the storm. His transparency allows others to learn from his poor decisions, which keeps him free of the drastic consequences he witnessed. In his own unique inspirational way, Randy brings hope, second chances, and a road that leads to an amazing life. Let's check it out. Hello, welcome again to our uh, to the next episode of our Dream to Rise, the podcast. And uh, we this is Cynthia Concordia, by the way, your host. And we have another special guest who is an inspirational speaker, author, and transformational coach. He is known as the Rebound Guy, based on his history and adversity, comes comebacks and the art of rebounding. And his message, The Rebound Effect, unveils a dramatic plunge into the depths of depression. Two daughters' deaths, depression, uh, I mean, the, the addiction, divorce, prison, and a career lost forever. His goal is now to help others realize that their best life comes through the storm, which I agree his transparency allows others to to learn from his poor decisions which keeps uh keeps them free of the drastic consequences he witnessed yeah. in his own unique inspirational way he brings hope second chances 
and a road that leads to an amazing life. Without further ado, I would like to introduce to you our special guest, Mr. Randy Brown. Hello, Randy. Welcome, welcome. Hello. <laughs> Cynthia, thank you so much for having a chance to chat with you today. This is awesome. I've been looking forward to this. And and um, I, I hope that in our time together that our listeners are able to find some things that they can personalize. Mm -hmm. um, uh, I, I'm not a textbook type of uh uh, a coach or or speaker. I speak from the heart. I speak okay. directly. I challenge people. I and there will it, you know it through challenges. People usually say that really doesn't refer to me or he's speaking to me. Okay, <laughs> so I'm one of those. He's speaking to me, guys. <laughs> yes, yes, and that's also my way of really um, helping other people. Not really talking to them whenever I post a message the message is directly to you yes, yes. <laughs> exactly. attention to you because right. we don't know it may resonate to other people right every message that i post i know it it will resonate to someone else and it will uh, and it might it will create an impact also in terms of what are the advices the insights that we can be sharing right. to yes you know, the great thing about that, about what you just said is, um, and I call it a tap on the shoulder, you know, if somebody reads a post or um, a lot of times for me, it happens in movies. When I'm watching a movie, something is said in a particular moment and I'll, it'll hit me like, because I've got two adult daughters, 31 and, and, and 26, and I'll be like, you know, that's something I should tell both of my girls. You know, there are moments where you pick up on this, this just real quick wisp of wisdom. Uh -huh. And sometimes you use that right away, but sometimes you don't and you kind of just store it. Mm -hmm. And those things are used later at like the proper time in a person's life. Sometimes it, I don't even remember where I, where I got this idea or this thought or this word or this you know, yeah. word picture or whatever. All I know is I remember it and I can use it. And um, I call it the invisible impact because it is invisible. And um, we really have to be careful and I think purposeful um, in relationships or in a forum like this of what we say, because it's really important what we say and, and people will latch on to different things and different ideas. And so we need to speak the truth. Uh, and the truth usually comes through, uh, through in story and yes. in life experiences. And yes. I've got plenty of those. Yes. And that's how we share. That's, that's how other people resonate with us. It's through yes. our stories because and that's the thing, no? when you're a coach, um, the the benefit of the, uh, having a coach is really sharing, uh, I mean, learning from someone who has gone through that experience. Yes, yes. Uh -huh. Well, it's different for being a mentor because being a mentor is mostly theories based on the studies. And that's what I feel, no? Right. But being a coach is you were in that situation yes. and you were able to overcome. You were able to 
uh, learn the le the the what the, the lessons uh, you, you've gained the lessons learned and now right. sharing the wisdom to others so they may yes. be able to yes. not really it's not um what do you call this it's not uh a hundred percent uh medicine cure for each one because each one has their own journey to take sure but it's just a matter of why do you have to recreate if we have already something yes. which we could share yes. and then go move forward rather than start from the bottom? It there took me go. 61 years right. to learn all my, my, what I have gone through in my journey. Yeah. Why do you have to wait or learn these things in 61 years as well? Right. And yeah. learn it in as quickly as possible. Learn yeah. from the from others' experiences. Yes. Yes. If if I'm at the base of Mount Everest uh -huh. and I, I've got all the equipment on and I'm getting ready to go up, I don't want a dentist leading me on the expedition. Okay. I want somebody who has proven they've been up there four times yeah. and back safely. Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah sometimes we get hard-headed though and we think that we have the answer or i can do this and boy we just have to humble ourselves and and, yeah. and just get really down to just brass tacks and say i need help mm -hmm. and i need you know there's nothing wrong with getting help i i, I have often said and not because i'm a, a recovering alcoholic or or I've got a very addictive personality and not because of that, but I truly believe that those who seek help, those who go to AA, those who go to treatment are the strongest people, not the weakest people. The weakest people are those that know they have character flaws or whatever, an addiction or whatever, and don't do anything about it yes. and live a life that is not anywhere near their their potential now to me those are the weaklings yes. the strong people are the ones that say hey listen you know i'm not worried about what you think about me but i know i need help and i'm going to go listen and i'm going to be open i'm going to be like a sponge and i'm going to get better and, that's and our world sees it different right mm -hmm. you know people that have uh shortcomings they almost you know that they're almost made fun of Oh, did you see what happened to so-and-so? Oh, boy. But, you know, so, yeah, the, the, the world's a funny place that way. But if we stay grounded and uh, and, and we seek the help that we need, and I, I, I would tell everyone, you, you're just, you're never, never um, needy. Uh, you, you're not, you're strength. You show strength by asking for, for help. Yes. And the... Uh... A lot of people, when uh, they always tell, um, they always tell me that, uh, well, even in the office, oh, if I ask for help, they might think that I'm a weak person, I'm a weakling. Mm -hmm. It's, it's mm -hmm. not, it's not a sign of weakness asking for help. It mm -hmm. is actually, yes, as what you have mentioned, it's a form of strength. Wherein, hey, yes. I know my my weaknesses my strengths and i'm i'm aware of that actually acknowledging your weakness would mean that hey i have something to do and that is to take 
uncomfortable action to improve myself. Right. To make the change. Right. Yeah. Keyword uncomfortable. Yes. You know, people and be courageous. Be, yeah. People that don't want to be bothered by being uncomfortable are going to live a pretty difficult life. Mm -hmm. uh, people that don't like standing in line. I mean, there are, you know, there are stoplights. One's green, one's red. You do have to stop on the red. And I'm telling you, it just ruins people's day, I swear, sometimes. You know, <laughs> it's just, come on, you know. <laughs> I mean, life is about adversity. And and we know what we know about adversity is that no one is exempt. Yes. What we also know is that it isn't how we react, but how we respond to adversity. And that's a big part of my story because there are some decisions I made that that weren't uh, uh, were not they were poor choices and they led to really devastating consequences. And all I was doing was I was just I was just chasing the next comfort because I was in I was in pain. I mean, we we lost two four year old children and almost a third in a six year period, and I just didn't. I, I I didn't know where to turn. I, I didn't, and uh, and and it led to it led to poor choices. And usually, when we're in when we're in, in dire straits like that, the the chances of choosing poor are elevated. Mm -hmm. You know, because we're we're just in such need of 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 comfort, and and I just need to I got to get away from the pain and. You know, we live in a pretty painful world. Uh, anyway, anyway since you're starting already, because I really would like you to share your story. Yeah. And then share with us uh, what brought you to where you are right now. Probably. Okay. okay. Thank yeah. you for volunteering to share your story. Oh, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. So I grew up uh, the son of a sports writer and my mom was a church secretary. And all I knew as a kid was I would go with my dad to the games. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was the coolest thing ever, you know, mm -hmm. get, go with your dad and, and he would watch a game and write his story and I would get a hang around. And so that got in my blood. And as an eight year old, I decided I not only wanted to play basketball, but I wanted to be one of those big coaches that walked around and blew the whistle. <laughs> and that manifested itself in a, and I'm and I'm still, even though I'm not coaching a at a university or a team, I'm heavily involved in the game of basketball. And I have been since, oh gosh, I started coaching in 1979. So it's been, I mean, it's in the 40s probably in terms of the years I've been around the game. But I was a college coach for 20 years and uh, and coached around the country and and uh, and and rose to some of the some of the highest levels within college basketball and uh, and the NCAA tournament, March Madness, and all of those things. And that was really my dream. And I was fortunate because I got to choose what I wanted to do at age eight. And here I am at about age 43 or 44, and I'm, I'm doing what I want to do at the highest level. Um, unfortunately, in the course of all of those coaching moves and, and the years that I was in college coaching, um, we in, in 1992 um, experienced the, the death of our four-year-old uh, daughter, a very quick um, type of developing uh, disease, which we knew nothing about. In that time, we had two children. She was four and her sister was one. And 
literally within about an hour's time, she was gone. And I wasn't at home. I was actually at basketball practice and got brought in a car um, up to the hospital. And they didn't tell me what was going on. So I'm thinking the worst. And it was the worst. So it was during that limited time that uh, she was not, she was sick. And then suddenly she left. She was, uh -huh. she, she was sick, but only with like flu symptoms. Flu and, symptoms. and, 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 and my wife noticed that she just was having trouble sitting and walking and oh. she, she just panicked. And so they, they, they flew to the, they, we were in a small town, so took them not to, you know, five, 10 minutes to get there, but they got her to the hospital. And then by the time I got there, she had already passed. Oh my! So in this day in 1992, they say when you lose a child, you know, life changes forever. And the person who came up with that statement, I'll guarantee you has lost a child because they know. Yes. Um, so many things don't make sense. There is just a just a rush of grief, yet anger, yet um you almost I felt like a child I mean I'm I'm like where are my parents I just need to hug my parents type of thing you just it's one of these things in life that we are not given a manual for because we hope it never happens to anybody but of course you know as the world goes and as things go it it does happen and it happened to us we didn't realize it was going to happen again in three years and our one-year-old would be four now and fortunately, we were living in Florida and got great care. And those doctors were able to save her. Oh, good. Mm -hmm. But three years after that. Oh, my. Our third of four girls. Uh, the same thing happened. And we just could not get her to the hospital and get her to the care fast enough. And we lost a second daughter. Um, so what was the cause of that? Because it's not only one child who got in yeah. Three of the four, yeah, three of the four had the disease, and it's it, it it was so rare at the time, and we really haven't stayed up on the research. Um, it's 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 a three word. It's a it's a form of uh, familial rhabdomyolysis, and I mean the it it's three words about that long. I mean it's just uh -huh. a it's just a rare disease. They thought once they got older, they could possibly be free from danger of it. We don't know that to be true, but we do know that at 26 and 31, they at least know if they feel, you know, really bad physically that, yes, they, that they've got to get to the hospital. Toddlers, yeah. still toddlers. Yeah. Right. And so, so we, we were uh, obviously, it was very difficult for our marriage. It was very difficult for really just getting up in the morning. I was diagnosed with clinical depression um, and, and I had been a drinker and um, alcohol did not serve me well um, after our first daughter died. And, and I just chose to work harder and longer. Um, and, and I used alcohol a, a lot as a, just as a place to go to take me to a place where I didn't have to hurt so darn bad. And when we lost our second daughter, I got to tell you, Cynthia was, it was just like, I, I was out, like I was out of answers here. I was a father and I couldn't keep the way I looked at it. I couldn't keep my kids 
safe. And, and I was at the end of my rope and I didn't know if I, I thought I was kind of short for this world, to be honest with you. I just wasn't sure I wanted to be around and be part of this. Mm-hmm. And it was never, it, it was never serious. Um, my, my su- suicidal ideation, but, but it was there. And I, I, I felt nothing, literally nothing. I felt, I felt nothing positive. It even hurt to smile. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I remember, I remember thinking, I can't smile. Somebody might look at me and say, why would that guy be smiling? I mean, things like that, you know, mm-hmm. you just take things. So j- j- just, you're just so fragile. Fragile is the, the word I was, I was searching for. So your wife was also going through for sure through the same yes. thing. Yes, but but I will tell you this that they say that that two people in a relationship most of the time grieve differently because you've you've got the male and you've got the female and it's true um I would say uh, in my experience it was true. Um I give her a lot of credit cuz she not only took care of the of the family and 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 our kids but but she grieved herself and she grieved in a healthy way. Me I didn't. And and one of the things that, that I do when I speak and when I write and when I'm on podcasts is talk about the choices I made when I hurt so bad that I didn't even want to be alive. And when I decided that that I was going to be alive and that I had to lead this family, even though we, we had lost two of our four girls, um, it was a daunting task. Oh, my gosh. I just didn't know if I could do it. And so I have previously spoken about uh, about working longer and, and about the use of alcohol, uh, both, both which were, uh, you know, made me at least escape the pain for a little bit. But it wasn't until the fall of 1997 mm-hmm. when desktop computers w- were first made available in homes that we had a computer and I slowly began made the choice to begin to access pornography on the computer and this became another vice and it was something that was uh a place i could go um where i didn't have to i think anything about the, the past it was just a it was like a fantasy land is the way i looked at it but through through the uh through the years of you got to understand at, at the at the same time I'm working as a um, a very public figure in in our state and and really nationally because our our team was a national type of team. Um, I, I I was living that guy, but I was also living the guy who at night then was accessing pornography and 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 drinking. Well, when you go to church on Sunday. Okay, you portray yourself as the first guy, not the second guy, because the second guy is hiding. The problem with hiding is when you hide and when you run. um, And this is a term. This is a kind of a quote that I made up. I I remember one day when I was really hurting. But the, the one who chases never tires. So no matter what you're running from you're eventually you're going to run out of steam yes and the one who chases will never run out of steam 
In other words, it's not a winning proposition. And that's exactly what happened to me. I made choices on the internet to secure images of females that were younger than 18. Okay. Oh. And in doing that, uh, through email, I would use images and, and th th that, that I, you know, got through the email and I would use them in chat rooms because I became uh, a person that didn't care about anything having to do with pornography. I just liked the allure of being in a chat room where you could create your own fantasy by typing words and, 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 and letters on the, on the keyboard and then, you know, exchanging images, you mm -hmm. know, to make the picture complete. Right. Uh -huh. And I thought, I thought, boy, a fantasy can't be illegal. Well, it wasn't the fantasy that was illegal. It was the fact that I had used those images, which I had secured across state lines, which made my case a federal case. Oh. In six years into living a secret life, two federal agents walked into my office at Hilton Coliseum in Ames, Iowa, while I was working one day. And my life changed forever. So they and talked to you? They... The questions they asked me, uh -huh. I had answers for. I knew the answers. The big question that I had to answer for myself was, because at this time I was so tired of living a dual personality because I knew every second of that six years that I lived a secret life, I knew what I was doing was wrong in a million different ways not just wrong betraying your wife, not just wrong because you're losing sleep and you've got this job where, that you're working all these hours. It, it was wrong. It, it was illegal. It was, it was not a, you know, I was above trying to be above the law. I mean, in so many ways it was wrong. And I knew that the crazy thing about us in our mind is we can, we are so good at self-betrayal that we can, self-deception i meant to say that we can create a i created a world if you can imagine where i made everything justifiable mm -hmm. well i worked hard so I, I i should deserve pornography right you hear that one mm -hmm. well that's not right that's not true um you know the thing about pornography every time someone accesses it and i don't care if it's something in public where you see some something on a billboard or whatever scantily clothed or whether it is actual pornography, what we have done is we have increased the demand for pornography yes. through, through our use of it. I didn't understand that until I got treatment. And I understood that every time I accessed, you know, it took, it was my demand that was driving all of the publication of, of all of the, the videos and pictures and whatnot. And boy, when that hit me one day, I just, it leveled me. And I realized, and I thought about, you know, we live in a world where just, you know, human trafficking and, yeah. oh my gosh. And I started to think about all those things and it was way deeper than I ever thought. You know, I was using it for me to feel better. I didn't think about what it was causing other people mm -hmm. and victimization became a real thing. Mm -hmm. In a moment of clarity, Cynthia, I will tell you this. And I did this with these men in my office. I knew that I knew it was time. 
I knew the consequences were going to be unbelievable. The consequences, first of all, of I was forfeiting my profession that I love since age eight. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've forfeited millions and millions of dollars from not coaching at the collegiate level. But in that moment, I was willing to say, hey, I might go to prison. I was scared to death, believe me. But there was a freedom to me because I knew that them being there could be the thing that ushered ushered in a new life for me and removed this secret life. And I chose to give them what they wanted in terms of computers and, and uh-huh. images and everything. So you had a choice to give everything and then you they let you free? Actually, the choice, no. The choice was call my attorney and 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 go to war against them on on what they said that I had done and, and what I had in my possession. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I didn't want to do that. Yeah. Because you know it's true. And I've had people say, you are an absolute idiot because you could have come free from that. And I said, maybe, maybe so, but you don't live in this body. You don't know. Might be easy for you to say. And I made that choice and had to forfeit my position. Um, And my world changed drastically in a different way now. Um, The public figure who is, you know, embarrassed himself and his family and the whole thing. And so I had a year of pretrial. I was sentenced two years in federal prison. Now, I believe that God is around every corner because the judge in this case recommended that I go to North Carolina, to Butner, North Carolina, to a facility or or to a prison. And I thought I remember being so mad because I wanted to see if I could stay close to the Midwest so my family could be close. Yeah. No, no, no. He was much smarter than me. There were three at the time. There were three treatment programs sex offender treatment programs for those that had the same kind of charge that I had or, or, or worse, possibly there were only three facilities and judge Longstaff recommended that I go to this one. I didn't know, but I was going, I was volunteering myself into what ended up being 2,400 hours of treatment. Mm, Wow. So, so it was, it was a, it was a facility. It was a treatment facility within a uh, general population prison, a medium security. So it was a no joke deal. Right. But within it, we run our own, we run our own building and half of the day I would work and half of the day I would be in this program. And I defied it when I started, I was so defensive though. I was just so and they, I was like Humpty Dumpty that fell off the, fell off the, uh, the, the wall. No? <laughs> I, I shattered a million pieces and I didn't know it at the time, but these were world-class treatment uh, doctors and treatment specialists. And they put me back together again with, with my, with my commitment and, and my, obviously my, my actions. The way this played out, you couldn't imagine it in a million years. You thought, I'm going to prison, but yet I was going to a place that was going to change my life for the good. Mm -hmm. 
How do you, you know, how do I can see it pretty clear right now, but I couldn't see it then like I can see it now. Yes. So I came back and, and obviously reoriented with my family and everything, but I was really, I was really, um, I had an identity crisis that I had to fight every single day because I was no longer the coach. Mm-hmm. And that was hard. And I struggled with work and I struggled with just being, feeling like I'm a human again, you know? Um, and so, and and continued with, with treatment and therapy and things outside, but uh, got to the point where I knew that I could do a lot of things. And uh, my pastor, David Staff, a wonderful pastor, but an unbelievable person. Remember, he sat down and we were talking about some really pivotal things in my life. And he said, you know, that what I spoke to you earlier about, you know, you can't take it with you. He goes, I don't know if you want to write a book, which I did called Rebound Forward. But he goes, beyond a book, he goes, you have the ability to change lives. And you really, I, I would really encourage you to think about what that might look like. And boy, I stewed on that for, for a couple more years, but uh, it, it was actually about two years ago, really close to this month, two years ago, that I, I, I just, it just came to me that I've, I, I have got to give to others the knowledge the poor choices I made and the consequences of adversity, which we all face. So we're all together on that one because I can't, if I just stuff it in my pocket, I don't do anybody any good. Yes. And all the things I've told you, obviously, I, I mean, I'm, I, I'm very direct and I'm, I'm forthright. I mean, I don't hide anything. And it, it, because it thrills me every day that I know that I've got gifts that I can hand people. And there are people listening right now. Their hearts are beating <laughs> hard. And they're thinking, I'm in a place that I don't want to be. And I shouldn't be. And I know what's wrong. And I, I need to come clean. Possibly. I know that's going on. I just absolutely know it is. On every one of your podcasts, I know that happens. And I made that decision to to speak because I've always enjoyed speaking. I like to write. I'm a, from from a my father and my brother were award winning journalists in in the sports realm, and 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 be a coach and coach people groups and individuals. And that's what I'm doing right now, and that's why I'm on with you because I get a chance to spread these seeds out in the field. You know, I'm from Iowa, so I'm a I'm a corn guy. We have corn and soybeans. You know, I always tell people two things happen in Iowa. Three things, coins, soybeans, corn, and good people. That's what I tell them. So that's Iowa. (laughs) So that's what I'm doing. And that's, you know, that's kind of my story, but I know you have questions. I've talked a lot, but. Yes, but uh, that's a very powerful story. And now, actually, that's whenever someone, I even shared with you my story. And then whenever I ask God, Lord, why me? Why do I have to experience this? And you know what? He he told he told me, why not you? Mm-hmm. Right. 
sometimes uh when we experience those adversities those struggles and everything he really has a big plan for each mm -hmm. one of us i didn't know that i'll become like I, i'll become a life coach right and same with you yeah yes yeah. you have experienced probably good life being a coach basketball coach mm -hmm. And that was probably the time we're in. Oh, I feel good always taking care of myself, what I want, what I need, no? Right. But after the what when we uh remove all those uh, the wants, the wants, the, the the needs, I mean the, the needs, no, we the Lord will just really give us something wherein hey this is not meant for you you right. are meant for something else right. it may be it might be very very hurtful it will mm -hmm. come to a point wherein we are at the end of the rope and then we don't know what to do but it's it's our faith now it's uh right. having that faith and hope to god that he will always make a way But you made, uh, well, we all make bad decisions mm -hmm. because of what other people, because of our ego, what other people would say, our ego, and so on. But it's just that the Lord is teaching us something that probably always this is yes. not the way. Always. Someone told me that that things happen for us in life, not to us. Yes. And and I'm a big believer of that. And I believe that what, what what's worked out in my life and the things that have happened were done for me. So to put me in this position where I could actually help people. I mean, I, what a gift that is that, you know, not everybody can say that. Um, you know, a lot of people will take adversity and, and their life will just become negative and, and mm -hmm. that's it. They don't want to do, have anything to do with anybody. Um, but that's not how it worked out with me. And it was done for me. Mm -hmm. And fortunately, but I think to hear God, we have to, we really have to consciously listen. Yes. I don't think that, that, um, in a busy, loud world, we hear a lot. I think there has to be time where we're We're meaningful and purposeful about God. Tell me what, 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 tell me what's on your mind. What are the plans? Because I don't know. And believe me, I asked why, like you said, why did you take my child? Why I've lived 40 years and she's only lived four. Take me, mm -hmm. yes. let her live. And then it happened again. And I pled with, I just, I was so angry. And I just couldn't get it until again, my pastor comes to my rescue and says, we are not designed to know why. We are not designed to have all of the answers on this side of life. One of the most impactful things anyone ever told me, I just got goosebumps. I always do when I say that mm -hmm. because of what it meant to me and what it means to me today. It lifted a thousand pounds from my shoulders because I was trying to figure out why. Mm -hmm. 
And I put so much on myself and his parents, how can, how can't, you know, how did this happen? His parents, how do we let that happen? And when he told me that, oh my gosh, I just a release of just tons of guilt and shame and anger and a lot of things. And, and I'm sure forgiveness took a, 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 forgiveness. a major, major role in that, in this, a major yes. role in this uh, decision, right. in right. this change, no? Yeah. Learning to forgive yourself and forgive others. You know, we all have, I think we're all, I think we're all superheroes. I, I think there, and I know there are a lot of people that disagree with me, but I think that every person in the world has a gift, mm -hmm. some gift that they can use to help someone else. I agree. You, you don't have to be a CEO or the president or it's not like that. Yes. Um, uh, a lot of times we gift the world just by what we do in action because other people see what we do in action and they're like, oh, okay, that's a pretty good idea. I'm going to start picking up garbage as I walk from my car to Walmart. Mm -hmm. It's something that I do every time. And I did it because I saw somebody else do it. Uh -huh. <laughs> and I thought, who am I to think I can't pick up garbage? The Lord knows there's enough garbage in those parking lots. Oh my gosh. But just things like that, you know, I think everybody's a superhero. Mm -hmm. I do. And we can gift the world. And actually our, our small actions can create a ripple effect to the other people. Just like what you did. You followed, yes. followed someone. Right. See, Absolutely. Uh, just a mere smile sharing your smile to other people or to, to others would make a difference because that yes. person might be in a situation wherein he's depressed. He's depressed and he's in a situation wherein I, I don't value life anymore. Right. And your smile will surely make an impact. It, it really can. One of my favorite books of all time, and I've read a lot of books, it's called The Slight Edge. And The Slight Edge basically says that there are two kinds of people. Uh, one, one, kind of, uh, uh, one kind of person will do the average, ordinary, common, everyday things on a consistent basis. Mm -hmm. And the second person doesn't. And he said that they are, they're things that are easy to do but they're also things that are easy not to do. And in reading this book was about the time I saw the guy pick up garbage on the way to Walmart. And I thought he must've read the slide edge because <laughs> it's, it's easy to do. Tell me we can't lean down and pick up a piece of uh, yeah. a, a soda can or cup. Come on. Right. Mm -hmm. But it's also easy to walk by it, isn't it? It's yeah. easy not to do. And and he he makes a great example of of these two people who go into the to the health club and they both want to uh, get stronger and in better shape. And after they both lift weights for one hour the first day, um, the the question is 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 one person appreciably more strong uh, stronger than the other person after one day? And the answer is no. But after a week, after a month. After a year, 
you start to see unbelievable differences in the person who has been doing the things that I'm not saying weights are easy to do, but it's, but it, it, it's pretty easy to go to the health club, but it's pretty easy not to go to the health club too. Mm-hmm. And in this in this story, the other person fell off and started showing up, you know, one or two times a, a week. And that's just not going to do anything for you. So I love the slide edge. It's taught me a lot mm-hmm. about how I go about my day and, and the things that things that the world needs. I, I, I try to do because they're not they're not difficult to do. The smile is a great one because that doesn't cost us anything. In fact, it makes us feel better. Why would we not do something to make us feel better a million times a day? Come on, you know. (laughs) And look at the the response of the other person. I'm sure it will will copy what you have just shared. Yes. It will also smile at you and not even to you, but to other people, but to the people he meets. Right. He meets. Right. Actually, I remembered my daughter. My daughter, she was only five years old I was taking her to school we were just walking because I used to live the school was right beside my my comp, uh, the Asian Development Bank that's the the where I used to work in back home mm-hmm. and then she would uh, whenever we meet someone I would just smile and then she would ask me do you know her no why do you have to smile uh-huh. well there's nothing wrong uh, smiling to other people you can even gain friends by smiling oh really and then from that time on she she started doing the same thing oh and then she model. said that mommy you're right now i've multiplied my friends <laughs> even in in school yeah. she has not, i mean they have block sections in school so even though it other children were not their her classmate in the black section. She would just smile and then she said, "Mommy, you're right." So yeah. it makes a difference also if we model our children or if we model yeah. ourselves to other people, because that creates really a ripple effect. So it's and it du- it duplicates, right? I mean, it's yes. just it keeps going it for, forever as long as the world's here. I guess I don't know people. You know, exactly. Your, your, your daughter's gonna uh, think of the people she'll meet, and they'll say that to her, like you always do that. <laughs> and I mean, she could just—I mean—that would just explode the number of people just from her exactly. one, your one smile and explaining it to her. Yeah, and that doesn't cost anything, and it's easy to do. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. You know, you might be saving lives as well as what I've mentioned a while ago. Yeah. Right. Uh huh. Uh-huh. And you don't know, you, you always hear the stories about the person who maybe was on their last leg. Maybe it was the worst day of their life. Maybe they just, one of their parents just passed away mm-hmm. and you, and you, you walk by them and, and, and smiled at them. I mean, you, we don't know. We don't, just like nobody knows what's really, what we're really thinking about. We mm-hmm. don't know what anybody else is going through. So mm-hmm. we might as well try to enhance our day. Yes. Yes. Wow, your story, I, it was, it's very inspiring. And I'm sure a lot of people were able to really get some, some insights and uh, being brave, Randy, you're, yes. you're such a, a strong person, being brave, sharing your message to the world. So 
now this had um, the, your your adversity became made you become who you are right now coaching right. inspiring people that's nice right. so what uh what are you focusing nowadays in terms of uh manifestation because i know you have manifested uh, being a life coach after this uh struggle now what other uh way uh, other things that are you trying to manifest or what is your your goal for the next right. 12 months? Right. Without a doubt, my goal, and, and this is in the works, but my goal is to create a, a safe place through a community. And in this community, uh, I, I want it known far and wide that in particular men, but it's not exclusively uh, for men um, at all. It's anyone. But I know that because of what, what, what my uh, actions have been, I know that men hide behind a lot of things. And it doesn't do us any good. In fact, it just eats away at us and it ruins relationships. Um and, and it's it's horrible for your health. And what what my goal is, is to create a place where men, because they don't feel like they're safe to share their stories or their struggles with anybody because they're trying to be strong. I want them to come to our community and have that be a place where for the first time in their life, they can verbalize what actually is going on how they feel, how they're acting out. And you know what? It's going to lead to a lot of pain and a lot of tears. Oh, yes. But you can't remove a secret life. You know, they, they say that which is hidden is never healed. And it's so true. And, you know, that's why cockroaches come out at night when it's dark. You flip the light on, the light is the truth. Mm -hmm. darkness it's easy to hide in darkness because nobody can see you mm -hmm. you flip on the light and in light is when you are really put to the test mm -hmm. and i want men to step from the darkness into the light but i want them to know that they can contact me and they can come into our community and feel safe their words are safe and confidential and they can speak the truth. And I have seen this manifested many, many times. And I literally, I, I, I almost see people just lifting up out of their chair once they do this for the first time, because they feel that release of all that pain and guilt and anger and weight. And so that is my goal. And uh, I will continue to write. I'll continue to be on podcasts. Um, I'm going to start a new program on the, on the Fireside um, audio platform uh, on this and uh, rebound forward. Um, when in doubt, rebound forward. You know, there's a lot of ways we can we can handle tough situations. Um, I recommend to rebound forward, get up and move forward and make a better life. And, and we're going to do that in our community. And I'm excited because I know men. And I know that they would much rather hold on to everything that's destructive in their life 
mm-hmm. and continue to have it be painful than to tell anybody. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make sense, but I understand from a safety standpoint why we do that. But I don't think men know where to go mm-hmm. to get to, to, to feel safe enough to be able to say those words. And so that's my goal. Is it really hard? Because now I could always see men that they always have this mask because they want to be seen as strong. They are the breadwinners and so on. But I know there are, there's also some um, soft spot in their heart, which should be shared. Absolutely. And, that, and that's the thing. I think that would help also in terms of their relationship with their wives, because if yes. they are not open, I mean, with their, uh, their, about their feelings, because I know men are, they restrict themselves sharing their feelings to their wives, no? Because I don't know, is it because of fear or what? But it's just that emotions are just for them. They just, it's a closed door. But yeah. if you having an open, uh, an, a community open for all men to share their fears, share their, uh, their, their concerns that, it will be a big, big help. And that yeah. would also encourage them to open up to their wives because the right. wives, they're just waiting for their, right. their husbands to share. Yeah. It'll open the floodgates with their relationships, yes. starting with their wife. Open the floodgates. Yes. And I've seen it. And it's amazing. It is a, I went through it. And then I've seen people, oh, it's just, it's it's amazing when it happens it mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. and it's like i was so stupid for hanging on to all this stuff and hiding behind all this why didn't why didn't i do this 10 years ago yes well what as 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 men were not supposed to you know they they they, they say when we were when we were growing up don't be emotional be strong be the you know don't be you know the whole thing, that message is the worst message. Yes. The worst message we could ever give anyone. And so I'm trying to reverse that. And mm-hmm. I'm saying, it's okay. You want to be a real man? You really want to stand up and be a real man? Get on your knees and you're going to be bawling like a child because that's what it's going to take to get to that place where you then can stand up again and, and rebound forward. Yeah, be vulnerable. Be Absolutely. Vulnerable. Hi. Yeah. Much easier said than yeah. actually physically done. But when it is done and it's powerful in a group, because when one, when the group sees one, they know they're churn, they have more churning inside them than you can count. And it's then they start, start sharing also their, yeah their, their yeah. concerns. And right. that's, that's the main reason why I also created this dream to rise inner circle. Because our focus is really how to manifest our dream. We have a lot of uh, blockages, limiting beliefs, paradigms, fears, and so on. Yes, we do. And those are the things that's blocking us or dragging us down for us to achieve our dream. So we meet also every week, every Monday. Wow. we it's it's a nice thing because we 
we support one another. And that's the main objective of that sure. circle. That's awesome. And Good empower others. Yeah. I, yeah. Probably one time I could invite you to be a guest speaker in our inner circle. <laughs> oh, that would be that would be amazing. I would love really? to. Really? Yes. Oh no, you I you you I got you saying yes. <laughs> I would love to do that. Yes, more than yes, I would love to do it. Right. Hi. Yeah. Oh, thank you so much. But uh, I I I would love you to share, especially I have some men also in the community okay I, I hearing from a man in yes. terms of I mean how he went through all those adversities and now he was able to rise rise up again and evolve and now doing what he wants to do to make an impact is something and that yeah. is what I I want to share to to others. Yes. Oh my! So one que another question: What would be your main roadblock or barrier in achieving that goal? Your goals. You have a lot of goals. Yeah. It's very it's very clear to me what would what my one and only roadblock is. It's a guy about six foot two. He's wearing a, a white jacket with blue t-shirt underneath and he looks just like me that guy that guy is the main he's the main blockage so um you know i'm always um i'm always working i like to work on myself um i i listen to podcasts i read i i just really i find people that i resonate with and really dive into their teachings i'm working on myself a lot because it would be a shame because the only person that will keep me from doing what I just explained to you, that picture of how this is going to work would be me. Yes. And I won't allow that to happen. I'll promise you. Usually all those negative thoughts. Yes. Mm -hmm. We all have them and those insecurities and they're just ridiculous, but they live in us. And uh, it's when we allow them to go play and do their thing is when we're in trouble. Mm -hmm. You know, we've got to tell them to sit down and be quiet and, Forget about them and move on. So, uh huh. Well, that's true. Most of the time, it's really us. Our negative yes. thoughts, where at where our attention goes, energy flows. So, if your yeah. your thoughts are always negative, then that will become a reality. Absolutely. Yep. Uh huh. Yes. So, before we end, uh, Randy, what advice would you like to share with the with our listeners to our listeners? I believe that human nature and the way we're built tends to lean towards us doing things, having things, securing things that make us feel better as a person, better about ourselves. But I don't think that's the game plan. The game plan, I, I know for sure the game plan is living in servitude, uh, living uh, for other people. A lot of things that we've talked about, uh, get, being a giver. You know, it's biblical, but it's also so much common sense that the more you help people... 
And the more you give and the more you just, you know, are, are, are that person that, that always has that smile and has that energy, it comes back so many times over without even trying, it's going to come back. Mm-hmm. And that really is the formula that, that 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 I'd like to leave with everybody. And and I I I I miss the boat, you know. At times, I and I get selfish about things, certainly, but certainly a lot better better than uh, than I used to be. But the more we share, the more we give, the more we get back, and that is uh, that'll carry us to the to the last day. Um, you know, that the God's got planned for us for sure. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and I'm looking forward to that. I, I, I don't fear that. I, I've thought about it a lot, you know, with my kids dying and things, I've thought about death a lot. And I look forward to that day when he says, this is the last day, this is your last one. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. Now <laughs> we're really ready. Do. Now we're ready. Yeah. Yes. I'm ready. Yeah. Yes. And and, and that's the challenge for us to be ready because we are called to be ready to be called. Yes. Yes. So that's why given the limited time we have the, the physical activity or the the good health we have, take advantage of that time to give and be of service to other people. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. And that's none of the stuff. We don't own any of this stuff. Yes. I, I got a phone here. I got a, a book. I got, I could show you all this stuff. I don't own any of this stuff. None of this is mine. None exactly. of it. When the we front die, yard, the tree, the, the, none of it's mine. It's all God's. Yes. So, and when we die, we don't take anything in our grave. No, it just stays here. Yep. Oh, yes, <laughs> it stays here. So make use of the resources we have to share it to others. Right, right. It, this this was given to us by God, not for us, but for right. to serve others. Yeah, leave. They say leave the world a better place, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, as what you've mentioned. When you give, the more you receive. So it's oh, a law of circulation. But we should also learn how to be a gracious receiver. Right. <laughs> Most of the time, oh, I I I don't deserve that. Oh no. But yeah. we have to to know that we are special. God gave us gifts. Right. That's why he gave us those opportunities. I call those struggles as opportunities to make okay. us yeah. a better version of ourselves. Sure, sure. Yes. I well think- said. Thank you so much, Randy, for uh, having you here. It was such an honor to have you here uh, to be our. Oh, I loved it. Absolutely loved it. You, you're, uh, you're, a, you're a great person to hold space uh, for someone else, and I really appreciate that. Thank you so much. And um, okay, so to our listeners, thank you so much, and watch out for our next episode for the Dream to Rise. Okay, have a blessed day to all. Goodbye. Bye.